0: welcome to another episode of the work life podcast to find out more about the work life hub and to listen to other episodes please go to www.worklifehub.com
1: welcome to another episode of the work life hub podcast i am your host agnes Uheretsky. if this is the first time that you are tuning in Let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change, and organizational development. In our work at the Work Life Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter, at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Today, I'm joined by Laura Vanderkam, who is the author of I Know How She Does It, How Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time. Hello, Laura. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. So you're a time management expert and author of a couple of books, um, also the one um, which was called 168 Hours, your previous book. And um, I just wanted to uh, find out how you went about Writing this latest book, uh, I know how she does it, which was out in June two thousand fifteen, and how you collected those thousand and one days worth of time diaries. Um, what was the journey of the book?
0: Well, I knew from my interviews of people over the years and a lot of the corporate speaking I'd done that. A lot of women with big jobs were doing better in the work-life balance department than people give them credit for. Um, many women with big jobs have happy family lives, happy personal lives, uh, and yet their stories often weren't being told. A lot of the literature on women and work and life is quite negative. Um, but it's all based on stories. It's not based on data. And so I wanted some data that I could point to to um show that maybe we weren't getting the whole picture. And so I decided to go about collecting some. Uh, So I reached out to a lot of different groups, um, professional organizations, um, places I'd spoken, uh, friends and friends of friends and people who read my blog and so forth. Um, And I wound up collecting time diary data on a thousand and one days in the lives of women who met two conditions. One is that they earned six figures American dollars uh, per year. So the it's, that's a good chunk of money. Uh, they, yeah. they had big jobs. And, and then second, they also still had kids at home. So people who were raising families at, at the same time that they were having these big jobs and I asked them to keep track of their time and I looked at it and I could add up uh, the numbers and see what their lives really looked like. And it was exactly what I had seen uh, on a smaller scale uh, with the time diaries I'd seen before. Uh, women with big jobs work fewer hours uh, than, than people probably think. And that's not just about women. I mean, men with big jobs work fewer hours than anyone thinks too. We we all um, overestimate our, our working hours um, when uh, you compare it to what we actually do. Um, they slept more than most people would think that women with big jobs and kids would would do. And so because of all this, they had time for family and personal pursuits as well. So I thought that was a very different um, interpretation than a lot of people have of the story, but but I think that it's a much more accurate one.
1: Now, listening just to you explaining this, and, and of course I have an, a, a whole bunch of questions about the book, but just listening to you explaining this made me think a little bit about the chicken and egg, whether you had um, thought this, um, whether, you know, what comes first? Do these women who are in these. Um, you know, top of their careers or, or high-powered uh, careers, um, do they have more resources to um, cater for, you know, a better work-life balance? Or is it because they may have had better life skills or maybe even better time management skills from the get-go that they were able to combine their careers with building a family
0: I think it's a combination of both. I mean, it's really hard to tease out what, what is making life work for them. Um, I think that uh, it would be silly to underplay the role that having additional resources plays in allowing for work life balance. But I think it's unfortunate then that we often tell women to go for sort of lesser jobs on the assumption that those will be more family friendly. Um, when the reality is that if you have a big job, the big job often comes with more autonomy. It comes with more flexibility um, and it comes with more resources to make life easier. So in fact, you are probably better off if you want a good life, good work life balance going for um, the higher powered job, because that's the one that will make life more doable. And I think we don't tell young women that we tell them to, Oh, you want the, you know, small part-time job that'll make it easier, but then you won't earn any money and you often don't have as much control of your time if you're lower on the um, corporate ladder. So I definitely think resources uh, help with it. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, some people are better at time management than others. Although I would not say that everyone in my study was was brilliant on the time management front. Mm-hmm. I could I could see their logs. I mean, I was looking at everyone's time log, and I would see all sorts of stuff. I mean, I'd see people be late for work. I'd see people. Uh, you please know. please say that they were watching cat videos on YouTube. There, there, there were there were cat videos. I mean, there were like I, I mean, people would write things like horrible unproductive hour of internet time warp <laughs> on their log. <laughs> um, You know, or just even things that like you could see was just sort of silly, like somebody who clearly has the ability to work from home would drive 45 minutes into the office, be there for two hours for things that were, uh, you know, just meetings like that were just phone calls. They weren't in-person meetings and then leave for something they had to do in the middle of the day. It's like, well, why did you make that 45 minute drive just to be on the phone? I mean, so it was. There were sort of obvious unproductive moments in terms of, uh, like, yeah, watching the cat videos, or, or less obvious, but still probably even more unproductive um, choices made. But that said, you know, we all make, we all waste time. Everybody wastes time. I waste time. Maybe you don't, but if so, you'd be the I only do. person out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everyone wastes time. But, um, you know, when you look at the whole of a week, and that's what I was having people doing. I was having them look at the whole 168 hours that are in a week. Even if there are bad moments, there are often a lot of good moments too. And I think it's important to have the right perspective.
1: Absolutely. And and, and I think also listening to you, it, it feels as if um, this generation of women may be at some kind of um, transition period of coming from the single male breadwinner type of 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 world where our parents were still probably in that uh, kind of generation and then moving ahead um into you know women can have it all and and it's it's some of it pulls you back and it pulls you back maybe into some of these old beliefs into part-time work or you know some of these um trade-offs um okay well i I need to be with my children, so maybe now I need to take time back from work. And then some, some women just go for it and, and they find that, yes, indeed, they can, they can have it all. So what were perhaps some of the surprising findings that you found in those time logs? Some you know, Did you tease out some of um, these life hacks that you say, oh, wow, that, that's a great idea.
0: Well, I mean, my favorite finding isn't so much a life hack, but it's just that women who have big jobs and children sleep. Um, The average in my study was 54 hours a week, which if you do the math with seven days in a week comes out to just a little bit under eight hours a day. Um, And and that's a finding I think most people would not believe, Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you (laughs) that it is true. I added it all up nobody in my study slept fewer than six hours a night averaged over the whole week. Um, only about, I mean, it was fewer than 4% of the days in my entire study, 4% of the thousand and one days featured fewer than six hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, people sleep is a biological function. It is not a testament to how important you are. And, and so one way or another, your body is going to make you catch it up. And, um, people do. And, and we like to remember our worst nights as typical. But in fact, I mean, the average, I know I've looked at data for Americans as a whole. Um, our, our government puts out a, a study every year that has people keep time diaries. And the average American sleeps well over eight hours a night, and yet no one ever believes that. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, it, was, it was gratifying to see the sleep numbers um, also come out uh, in a different direction, I think, than people normally think. But in terms of life hacks, one of my favorite findings was that um women in the study had a fair amount of flexibility uh and even in people even people who are in careers that you don't normally think of as as flexible like um you know finance or medicine or things like that about three quarters of the women did something personal during work hours Mm -hmm. um the flip side of that is also true about three quarters of women did something work related during what we might think of as personal hours so evenings weekends early mornings etc um but i think these two are totally related that work-life integration is how people structure their lives these days Uh, And some people don't like that. They really think work should be work and home should be home. And if that describes you, then that's fine. It's great to set boundaries. Um, But for many women, uh, there are certain things that you have to do in your personal life that simply have to take place during what are traditional work hours, um, whether that's doctor visits or events at your child's school. And you want to do those things. And if the only way to do those things, if you could only work during work hours, that means that you'd have to work less in order to do those things. And working less means that your career is going to slow. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, But if you could do work outside of work hours, then you can do those things and still work the hours that you need to work. Um, And so about half the women in my study worked what I call a split shift Um, They'd work sort of reasonable hours during the day, go home, spend the evening with family and then do more work at night after the kids went to bed. Um, And this meant that they were trading off work time for what would have been TV watching time as opposed to work time for family time. Hmm. Uh, And that was a trade off that that most were willing to make.
1: Yes, I think this is also what we're finding from almost all of the podcasts um, is that you need to have um, legitimate time off during the day, which is the nine to five kind of work day to take care of your personal um, responsibilities um, because that's what's going to give you the true flexibility. If, if we can break this taboo or this stigma of, you know, that doesn't mean that you're slacking off, it doesn't mean that you're not motivated, but it just means that you can get that thing out of the way or you're not going to miss a soccer game or a dentist appointment, whatever. But then you're going to make up for it
0: anyway. Well, and that's the key. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who don't make it up and they might, you know, it would be justified for their careers to stall. And I mean, that's just the way it is. Like there's certain things that you have to do to, to build a career. But what I found is that most women were doing their best to make up those hours, that they would make them up at night and on weekends. And we have this story that working at night and working on weekends is horrible and terrible. But then we think that, you know, going to a, a school event during the workday is great. So, But the two are totally related. So I think it misses the mark to label one good and the other bad. It's just that this is work-life integration. And if you don't do the work at night and on weekends, then doing the, the school event during the day means you won't be able to work as many hours. And And if you want... To build a big career, you, you need to work enough hours to make that happen. Now, I say work enough hours. I should be clear here. They were not working around the clock. Nobody was working 80 hours in my study. No one was working 70 hours in my study. Only a tiny fraction of the people were working more than 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority were working somewhere between 40 and 50. So it's more than 40, but it's not a lot more.
1: Yeah, because it's also a question of of effective work or smart working, right? I mean, it's it's if you... if. You can do all sorts of busy work that looks like work, um, but if it's not taking you anywhere, then it's it's almost wasted time. So I guess that's perhaps also some of their um, success factors that they may be able really to work effectively. I try to I, think.
0: I like <laughs> to I, think that. Certainly, I, I mean, as people get better at their jobs, I mean, they develop all sorts of ways to work effectively. And, and certainly some of the people who had... Um, really good, full personal lives outside their work um, hours. We're, we're very good at being effective and efficient. Um, and when I say efficient, I should be clear here. I don't mean like nose to the grindstone, never get up from your desk during the course of the day so you can bang it all out in eight hours and go home. That is not what I mean by effective. Um, people who build big careers tend to value the networking part of it Mm. They tend to value the interacting with coworkers and mentoring other people and things like that, and that is, it can appear inefficient, but it's not. Yeah. It's the one of the most efficient things you you do at work, and so um, that was that's just something I I think that people should be aware of that it's not just about you know, sitting at your desk all day to make sure that you can leave precisely at 4.45 because everything has gotten done. Being effective at work involves taking a a broader look at what needs to get done.
1: I uh, was quite surprised to uh, look at all kinds of research and to find that actually parents now, these days, spend a lot more time with their children than, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. And of course, we are now the generation of parents that are just bombarded with all kinds of articles and literature and and pressures about, you know, very high standards of parenting. Do you look at this also as a factor in contributing to this guilty feeling or this feeling of how am I going to cope? How am I going to be a good parent while while having a successful career?
0: I mean, there may be some of that. Um, Certainly people... uh pay attention to, to things and the internet has sort of raised the bar on best practices for everything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you look at like Pinterest for crafts, it's yeah. become this uh, high bar in terms of what people do. Um, but you know, I think it's also, we, we just don't believe those numbers. And, and the reason is we have this constant narrative that it is bad for women to work and, and yeah. the vast majority of mothers do work. Um, And yet we still feel bad about it for some reason. And so we invent these stories that women are neglectful because they're working. Um, And and so then the data can show pretty clearly that women are spending more time interacting with their children now than they did 40, 50 years ago. And people just don't believe it because they're like, but I know that more women are working and working mothers are bad. I mean, this is a very deeply held belief. We Mm. still view working as transgressive when mothers do it. And that's why we tell ourselves these stories that, you know, when, when you miss the soccer game because of a late flight, you know, you have to start down this road of soul searching and <laughs> cutting back at work and all that and as I point out in my book, you know, there's lots of reasons people miss kids' sporting events I mean, I miss kids' sporting events because I'm doing some another sporting event with another child, I have four oh, children, yeah. like I cannot be at everything, and whether it's because um, I'm working or not, it's because I'm with another child, but nobody ever says, oh, you should get rid of the other kid right, <laughs> it's just that we see, we see work as the bad thing for, for women, and so all our stories hinge on that belief.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I really enjoyed looking at your website and, and looking at some of the stories and also some of the um, interviews you gave. And, and and in one particular, you were talking about prioritization, right? So it's not so much of ticking everything on our list, but deciding what is more important. And I just, uh, a couple of years ago, I gave, I offered to give someone a lift in my car to the airport and it's only when she—it was a business uh, partner—and just when she went, you know, she just came and sat in my car. That's when I realized that my car looked like post-apocalyptic, you know. <laughs> and I just said, "I'm so sorry, Susan. I'm really apologize. My my car looks an absolute mess." And then she just looked at me and said, "Well, that just means, Agnes, you have your priorities right." And that was—that was, yeah, that was, yeah it was great. It was, yeah, that's true. So it's it's basically these priorities. It it also links to, to what you said before about you know these kind of Pinterest moms, right? I mean, you know, buying the cupcakes um, can be one way of prioritizing. Okay, I'm not going to spend now hours making them. But is this also another finding from the time use that they were better at prioritizing some of these things?
0: Well, I think they were for the most part, although. I would have to say that there was a fair amount of kind of highbrow domesticity on, on these time locks. I was somewhat surprised. And I think for many people, it's cause they enjoy it. A lot of people like cooking, mm-hmm. um, you know, cleaning maybe less so, although some people were, were certainly spending time on things like decorating and organizing and you know, gardening. I mean, those are fun, like crafting. People like doing things like that. Uh, so it's sort of more in the realm of hobby. I, mean, I think, in, in particular, many women with big jobs don't need to do all of those things um they don't need to do the basic stuff um as much and and so they do the fun mm. stuff and and that was definitely on there and and the thing you know to to be clear here people have this idea that all these things must be traded off and uh you know cuz people are like well there's only 24 hours in the day but the reality is that the average person in my study was working 50, 44 hours a week she was sleeping 54 hours a week so you add that up and subtract from 168 hours that leaves 70 hours for other things like in 70 hours there's actually quite a bit of time for you know not only hanging out with your kids and exercising and reading like if you want to do a lot of cooking you can do that Mm -hmm. as well I mean you don't have to but certainly you don't have to but if, if you wanted to you could certainly find space for it so really everything is as you said it's a matter of Prioritizing what is a priority, what is a priority, and what isn't, um, and and these things don't have to fall into neat lines of you know either this or that that. and yeah yeah either my career is a priority or cooking dinner is a priority actually there's plenty of women who cook dinner who also have great careers i mean i'm not saying you have to do either but let's not automatically pit things against each other we could pit everything against watching television honestly like in the amount of time that the average person spends watching television you could do all manner of amazing and wonderful things in your life and that was honestly one of the key things that I did see that people didn't do as much of. They did watch TV. So I don't want to say they watched no TV because they did. They watched on average about four and a half hours mm-hmm. a week, which, you know, is is more than half an hour a day. Like, it's, it's not nothing. But it's not no, a lot either. No. I mean, compare this to like the 20 to 30 hours that the average person yeah. watches. And you can see right there that you have time to build a career and to hang out with your family and to do your hobbies or whatever else. Like, just by cutting... TV from twenty five hours to five hours, like that's twenty hours there that that you could do all manner of wonderful things in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, just when you were talking about this binary approach of either or, it just came to my mind when I was. um, It was about ten years ago. I was working for a company, and my my colleague she had already two kids, and and one of them just got into hospital. I think, and the female boss because there was a, a, a trip, a business trip coming up, the female boss just, you know, said to her, okay, now is the time that you decide whether you want to have a career or be a mother. And I just remember that so much because um, that we're still living in this kind of binary world of you can either have this or that. And, and and still so many people are actually navigating quite successfully their lives, both as working parents and parents. and And there isn't... Uh, perhaps one of the surprises I would say of your book is that these people are not superheroes, right? They're, they're just, they're just managing and so can everybody else basically.
0: That's kind of a good way to put it. I I think, yeah, they're not superheroes. Um, They're not all paragons, paragons of efficiency. They're not all um, figuring out amazing things. It's just that in the course of deciding that I will make it work, like I am going to build my career. I do have a family. People, come up with ways to to make the pieces of work and life fit together and you were mentioning the story of of the boss saying well now's the time that you decide I think that's so silly people go up and down in terms of how much time they're spending at work or at home in any given week um, in any given season and there's um, peaks and valleys or everything I mean you know, people may wind up working less during a particular time because they're really into watching the Olympics yeah, or watching exactly. the World Cup or something like that. And and we never even think about this, like, except to sort of joke about it. Like, oh, you know, it seems like nobody's at work because there's a great football match on. And, and yet, you know, when it's, when it's about family, suddenly it's uh, all like, oh, well, this is the question of whether women can have it all and you must decide. It's like, no, you know. No more than we have to decide, am I going to build a career or am I going to be a football fan? Like you, you don't, there are times when people pay more attention to things and less attention to things. And I, I think that, you know, family winds up being one of those things. I mean, it's a very important thing and it's over a long period of time, but it would be a mistake to think that people without children are somehow always 100% on at work as well. I love it.
1: That's so true. And and it's a very down-to-earth perspective on on this whole debate um before we move to our last question um so what is next for you are you working on another book um where are you and 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 what are your plans
0: well i wish i were working on another book i um... I would love to come up with an idea. It's, it's difficult to come up with the exact right idea um, that uh, will keep me interested for two years and, and hopefully give my readers something new to think about. Um, so I'm trying to get that right. But in the meantime, I'm doing a lot of um, speaking about the topics and I Know How She Does It and um, continuing to, to write and you know, hang out with the, the four little ones. So, so that's what's filling my time right now.
1: And where can people get in touch with you? Do you want to just remind listeners about your website and, and your Twitter, where they can reach you?
0: Exactly. I'm uh, blogging close to daily at lauravandercam.com. That's my name, L-A-U-R-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-K-A-M.com. Um, Twitter, I'm at @lvanderkam uh, And I would love to connect with people. I always love hearing from people their stories about how they make their pieces of their lives fit together.
1: Wonderful. Now, coming to the last question, that's always the same one here on the Work-Life Podcast. If, Laura, I would ask you to give a CEO an advice, just one advice about how he or she can make an improvement to the work-life balance and well-being of his or her employees, what would that advice be?
0: I think that the best thing you can do is just treat people as adults, um, that you can hold people responsible for results, but let them figure out how best to achieve them in terms of when and where you work. Um, It turns out that people who can choose when and where to work can work far more hours before they feel um, work-life balance Uh, issues than people who have to work at certain times in certain places and of late there's been a bit of a pushback against the whole telecommuting thing like we must be there in person in order to Mm -hmm. you know feed off each other and and I recognize that there's many things that happen when you're meeting people face-to-face that are wonderful and that don't happen um, virtually but I think five days a week in the office is probably overkill Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know maybe set a few core hours that everyone agrees to be there but beyond that have people work um when and where they want but hold them to very high standards and i think you'll find that a lot of people who are parents will do all sorts of amazing things for you and keep working for you for a long time as well
1: wonderful thank you so much thank you very much laura for taking the time to be with us on this podcast and uh, wish you all the best of success and merry christmas of course
0: merry christmas to you as well thank you so much Oh,